Hey, everybody, and welcome to Overtly Casual, the podcast hosted by myself, Dak, and my brother, Tyler. Tyler, if you want to go with a quick introduction of yourself, hit it. What's up, guys? This is Tyler. Um, I'm a college student, and I'm going to be transitioning into my career soon, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking some MMA, uh, combat sports, leadership, and uh, whatever topics come to mind here with Dak. Yeah, and I'll run with one for me. Um, I'm a transitioning veteran. Uh, got a tour in Africa, tour in Afghanistan. Tyler and I have been talking about doing this podcast for fucking three years now. Uh, and, and when the turn of 2019 came, we said, forget about it. Let's buy the microphones. Let's just get after it. So uh, episode one, which is this one, is going to serve as sort of an introduction and uh, some banter into uh, – We'll talk about our lives a little bit, but mostly we're going to talk MMA, talk some UFC, talk some Bellator, some ESPN, and then overall, whatever pops up. So uh, without further ado, man, let's jump into it. Let's talk about the UFC signing its deal with ESPN. Cool, cool. So uh, what I've seen online is that they have signed a five-year deal, 15 full fights on ESPN+. Plus. And the deal is going to be for $150 million per year, totaling around $750 million for the five-year deal. Um, so ESPN Plus is going to cost $4.99 per month or $50 per year. Uh, what do you think about that compared to Fox, the UFC fight night on Fox? That's a hard one, dude. So this one's going to be kind of an un unpopular opinion uh i think that espn stole the ufc They're, this deal is the best deal they could have made uh so back when the ufc first came to television with spike you saw a huge jump in numbers i think chuck liddell won i don't have the numbers off the top of my head but chuck liddell versus ortiz i believe uh it sold like fifty thousand fights before being televised on spike and then after being televised, yeah, it was a pay per view. So it sold like fifty thousand for a pay per view. On their next pay per view, following, uh, I think it was Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell two. Their next pay per view, following debuting on Spike, they sold fucking a couple hundred thousand, I think, and that was just reaching a wider fan base and getting the casual fans started into uh, kind of a like seeing how exciting it is, especially with a fighter like Chuck Liddell back in his heyday. But, dude, I think that um, with the popularity of streaming, everyone's like, oh, but ESPN Plus, they're not going to put a, any events on television, blah, 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 all this bullshit. Dude, I think that, one, ESPN stole it, and two, UFC, they're full of geniuses. This is going to make the purchasing of UFC for $4 billion, that's a drop in the bucket for what this deal is going to be worth for them. Because you're not just talking about, uh, the ESPN Plus or the uh, what's included in that is all the UFC products like Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, Contenders Series shows. Um, you're going to have the whole UFC Fight Library available on ESPN Plus. More importantly, I think USP, ESPN is going to be talking about uh, they've already had Dana White on UFC's first take uh, a couple times in the last few weeks, and we're just entering the deal 
when they jump into UFC fight night, that's going to be the f- fight night 143 with Cejudo versus uh, Dillashaw, which we'll talk about later. That's going to be the first ESPN coverage. What you buy with ESPN, ESPN is Stephen A. Smith talking shit. You're going to have all those ESPN personalities talking about the UFC. I remember back in the day, dude, I don't know if you remember this when we were kids, but the UFC was considered like John McCain came out and called it a barbaric sport, all this crap. Being covered on ESPN is going to bring it mainstream. It's going to recognize the UFC as the major leagues. I think it's an amazing deal. I think that UFC is genius for doing this. WME, IMG, they're going to make their money back probably twofold. And ESPN is going to really come back from the severe drought they've had over the past couple of years with controversy. Right, right. I agree with you 100%. I think that uh, it was kind of a, a no-brainer. The growth for the sport through ESPN is going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Um, not only for the UFC, but you got to watch out for the up-and-comers too, like Bellator and uh, – what is it? The pro fighting series, the NBC thing. Yeah, um, and one FC is trying to break into America as well. Right, and the thing is, like, uh, the sport has never been covered by like that by mainstream mainstream media. So that is going to be huge. And like you said, the the ROI for the UFC is there. I mean, seven hundred and fifty million dollars for five years for a company that's only worth four billion dollars just to stream fifteen full fights in a year. You know, that's that's a lot of money. They're getting paid uh, for those fights. Um, and for customers, too, I mean, $4.99 a month to watch the free fights. I mean, there might be two fights a month because uh, uh, I think that they usually do every other week. They'll do a fight night or something like that. Uh, and then they'll do a pay-per-view the next week, optimally. So, I mean, if yeah, you get- dude, go ahead. If you're getting two fights a month for 5 bucks or 50 bucks a year, I mean, that's a steal. That's an absolute steal. Yeah, and they're off to a great start with this first fight night they're putting on there. Dude, if you're paying $4.99 for TJ Dillashaw versus Cejudo, uh, Teixeira versus uh, Kutelaba, uh, uh, you've got Donald Cerrone fighting on this card, Greg Hardy from the uh, the NFL fighting on this card, Paige Van Zant, who, uh, crazy enough, she actually – she and Max Holloway – came out to Afghanistan when I was there on a USO visit. So a lot of love for her. Definitely going to support her regardless of the odds. But that's your first fight night you're getting for $4.99 All right, on ESPN+. Plus. Let's back this up. Um, you mentioned Donald Cerrone. Did you notice that he's on the undercard of that, uh, that card? He's not even on the main card for the fight night. Uh, I, ju- I, Dude, just, I didn't even look into that. I just don't see that. So um, this uh, Greg Gillespie – is fighting Yancey Medeiros, and uh, Donald Cerrone finished Yancey, and Yancey is the third fight on the card below Greg Hardy and uh, the Cejudo fight. So Yancey, who got finished by Cerrone, is on the main card, but Cerrone's on the undercard. I'd imagine they're still going to get a payday, but to me, just like when they put Overeem on the undercard a couple pay-per-views ago, it's like, really, that's not an undercard guy. But, so here's um, the question. Here's the question. Was that Dana White saying that? Or was that was that the UFC saying Donald Cerrone, you're on the undercard? Or was it there's a fight night? Donald Cerrone came calling saying, I want to fight, put me wherever. I don't give a fuck. 
I could see it. Um, he's coming off a win against Mike Perry in which he took no damage at all. Uh, I don't think that Mike landed a significant strike if he even landed a strike in that fight. Uh, he finished him with an arm bar in the first round. Oh, beautiful one, dude. I watched yeah. that laugh and the face he made when he sunk that arm bar in. Oh, he almost took it home with him, man. He was he was he looks like a lion. Yeah, and you know, Mike Perry's my favorite fighter, un uh unparalleled. Mike Perry's my favorite fighter. He's entertaining, uh he's a fun guy to watch. He goes out there to fight, pretty much. I mean I mean the dude is straight up gangster. Uh but I knew that Cerrone was too much to handle, especially the focus. He looked different out there. Um and he's eyeing a title run, which you know, I, I don't really see with his age, but he's fighting a game guy though. That Alexander Hernandez guy is, is apparently the real deal. Um, so yeah, let's go. Yeah, he's the favorite. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and make some picks here. So who you got in the Cejudo and Dillashaw? That's an interesting one. Well, yeah, it's interesting because Cejudo being a straight badass when it comes to wrestling, right? He's an Olympic gold medalist. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is he the youngest Olympic gold medal wrestler? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So he's got that. I, I'm not impressed with his stand-up, though. And the thing about TJ Dillashaw, it's widely accepted that he is the best wrestler for MMA. I don't know if that's due to he's got the hands and and – he he's got the hands to back it up, and he has the wrestling. So you've seen him in the ring with uh, Lomachenko, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, the boxer, the best box, best pound for pound boxer of today's era, at least. And I think you'll hear his name a lot in 2019. But um, I honestly, all things considered, I got TJ Dillashaw, man. If Easy. he doesn't in the first round, I'll be surprised. Easy. So so there's a lot of factors that come to play here. Um, so, Cejudo, again, let me back up real quick. Kyle Snyder actually, uh, I forgot, a couple of years ago when he was 20 uh, after he, I want to say, uh, well, yeah, his sophomore year of college, he won an Olympic gold medal. Um, so, he was 20 and Cejudo was 21 when uh, he captured the gold in Beijing. So, Cejudo is definitely going to be a game competitor. You saw that against Demetrius Johnson. He's going to push the pace on him. But at the same time, he's got the card stacked against him. He's definitely the underdog in this fight because, just like you said, Dillashaw is an MMA wrestler. And those transitions, you know, as being a wrestler myself, like the transitions are way different. Uh, you know, unless you're, you're solely on the ground, you take them down and you're rolling. But then again, like those are jujitsu transitions. You can't just take people down at will. Um, otherwise, he would have just bullied Demetrius Johnson. So uh, I see TJ coming in there and likely bullying him. And he's getting down to weight, man. He he said that he's floating near 125 already. So that's Yeah, crazy. I was watching an uh, interview with him today when he was talking to Matt Sarah and Jim Norton. And he was saying he's closer today to weight than he usually is the week prior mm. for 135. So he's closer to 125 than he would be to 135. So – I mean, it's impressive. The when you hear about how he prepares for those cuts, those weight cuts, 
He says he still eats what he wants. He still does what he, he doesn't practice intermittent fasting. He doesn't do fasted cardio in the morning. And now he's adding that to his game and it's easy for him to cut to 125. So he's a scary dude at 135. He's got insane power. We saw him put it on, uh, on display with Cody Garbrandt, who prior to his fight with TJ Dillashaw, I had Cody Garbrandt as the baddest dude in that division. Um, he went in there, he embarrassed the shit out of Dominic Cruz, just danced around him, and he drops Dillashaw. So, I mean, you can't count Cody Garbrandt out. He's still a bad dude. But you watched Dillashaw go in there and just dismantle that dude's offense and his defense and and come out the winner with the knockout, uh, albeit kind of kind of rude after it screwed me in his face. But, um, yeah, I think, he, I think he drops to 125 and he kills the division. You well, know, that's that's what he was talking about. Uh, he gave an interview once before that caused some controversy and Dana White dismissed it, which was great on Dana White, but caused some controversy saying, I'm getting paid a whole lot of money to go down and kill the 125 division, and I believe it. Yeah, I think that that's interesting um, because there's not many matches to be made in flyweight. And, you know, something that – was brought to my attention today too is that like after okay Dominic Cruz just suffered another injury it looks like he's going to be out for a while and Dominic Cruz was the only other meaningful competitor in my opinion in Dillashaw's natural weight class so what's next I mean super fight against Cejudo and possibly going up to fight Holloway I mean that would be a huge fight a huge fight for real fans out there you understand that that would be likely one of the best matches that you could make and Dillashaw is not a small 135er so he I feel like he could move the 45 and fight um but yeah like like I said we'll we'll talk about that after Cejudo and uh Dillashaw have their match for sure what his future looks like um I don't think 145 is a good move for him though yeah what, what, um, what that would be good for if he did jump up if Connor could still make 145, that's the only reason I could see him wanting to jump up. Because, I mean, you're fighting killers at 145, you know? That's a that's a tough division for him to jump up to. Because then he wouldn't be so uh, – maybe he would be still dominant. But, yeah, he's got to get through uh, the 125 uh, division and be uh, the champ champ. I think it'd be like the uh, – let's see. We got Connor, uh, Nunez – uh, DC, he'd be the fourth champ champ in don't UFC. Forget, don't forget BJ Penn. <laughs> well, he he was the champ champ, but he wasn't he wasn't yeah. the same time, was he? No, no, not at the same time. But I still, BJ Penn, he just needs to retire. I mean, bless his heart. He used to be my favorite fighter in high school, but um, he's got the heart of a lion. But you know, all lions die someday. You know, and right. uh, so check this out. Uh, you know, I don't know much about the Greg Hardy guy. I saw his fights, which, you know, they haven't been very long, pretty much all first-round knockouts. Uh, obviously, you know what he's bringing to the table as an NFL athlete. Um, he's a high-caliber athlete. He's strong. He's a beast. And this dude that he's fighting, <clears throat> I am really not that familiar with him. So, you know, co-main event, kind of two no-names in my opinion. But uh, – I think I'm gonna take Alan Crowder in that one. Really? Yeah, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go against uh, Greg Hardy. You know, he's had a lot of bad media, but also like I'm not I'm not one of those people who who just chooses the best athlete. I think that the pressures on him to perform in the co-main event, uh, I just don't see it. 
I just don't. So before I get into how I feel about that fight, do you think that Greg Hardy hurts or helps viewership for this fight? <sighs> because that's, like that, that that's a that's a double edged sword there. That's a two sided question because it's gonna help you with the casual fans who who are just interested in seeing the freak athletes. I mean, he's a big guy. He's a former NFL player. Like, he's a good sell. But and and he's knocking people out. I mean, I have to give him his due. He's knocking people out. But at the same time, um, people who follow the sport closely, you, you don't really want to watch fights like that unless it's Derek Lewis, of course, because he he knocks out highly skilled opponents. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think that. It's good for viewership, bad for the sport, the integrity of the sport. Putting him on the co-main when Donald Cerrone is on the undercard, eh, don't really like that. Yeah, you're kind of fishing for a uh, slugfest on that one. I do have Greg Hardy um, winning that one. I think maybe um, – <clears throat> there's two ways this fight goes, right? Uh, Greg Hardy finishes him early in the first round. or Alan Crowder comes out with some bombs. Greg Hardy says, oh, okay, I got to take this dude a little more seriously and finishes him in the second round. That's how, that's how I see it going. Um, but we'll see how it plays out this weekend. Um, and, and as far as viewership goes, I think that uh, Rachel Ostovich, uh, that's that's the the female fighter who's fighting Paige Van Zant. I believe she's the victim of uh, – she has been a victim of domestic violence, which is what obviously stirred up all the, all the drama with – was it Rachel Ostovich? Yeah, it was Ra- it was, yeah, it was Rachel Ostovich. And, and here's the thing, man. Uh, there's no such thing as bad press. And that was the angle there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if people within the UFC who understand public relations and understand marketing, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they stirred that themselves, if they didn't microanalyze that. I mean, you know that this woman is a victim of domestic violence, and you know that Greg Hardy is someone who is – committed domestic violence. I'm pretty sure that's why he had to leave the NFL. Uh, and so that might, that might, that might help it a little bit. Like you might get uh, some, some people coming in, like maybe cheering for, Hey, I mean, it's ESPN plus. I don't know how much people are willing to spend 499 to hope that Greg Hardy gets knocked out. But Rachel Osvich did come out and she did say like, yo, he didn't beat me. That's none of my business. Like we've all, we've all messed up. I don't hold any grudges for what happened. Uh, we all have a dark past, and uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to fighting, all that good stuff. So yeah, I, I, mean, I think that overall, I think it helps it. Um, I mean, it might hurt the public image. Definitely, the point you brought up with the, him being the co-main, I don't understand, especially with Cerrone on the undercard. And again, that's probably Donald Cerrone picking to be on the undercard because you know that dude doesn't give a shit where he fights. Uh, he'll fight in the back alley if you give him two bucks for it. That dude just loves to fight. Yeah, he absolutely does. And, I, you know, like I said, going back to that, um, I think that no press is bad press. And uh, that that was a huge selling point for the fight. And if they can simply get your attention and see what night people are fighting on an advertisement or on one of those drama posts or clickbait articles about Greg Hardy, um, you go into there, you see the fight date you see the night you see how to sign up for espn plus you're in there you want to see the fight you want to see big athletic people fight 
And again, that's another selling point as to why they should close down the flyweight division because, you know, unpopular opinion here, not a lot of casual fans like to watch uh, the small guys fight. They want to see the freaks. They want to see the Francis and Ganu in there uh, throwing punches as hard as he can and knocking people's heads off. They don't want to see people go go in there and uh, put on, you know, a, a masterful performance. Yeah, I think the UFC is catching on to that, especially with the trade of uh, Demetrius to one FC getting Ben Askren. I think they're on to that. I mean, you trade you trade the greatest. He's been the pound for pound best fighter of all time, and in the UFC, pound for pound best fighter. You know, <clears throat> I think he went for ten years defending that title, uh, second only to Silva if I'm correct on that, if my memory serves me well, but second only is Silva in this title defenses. And no, he, he, so, he took that overtook it. Yeah. Okay. So I missed, it. but yeah. So you have a dude that's given so much to the sport personally, not that he's given to the sport in the same way that Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, John Jones, and those guys, they haven't given to the sport as far as popularity goes, but he's given so much to the sport performance wise and no one gave a shit. None of the fans gave a shit. I never gave a shit. Um, you didn't care. I didn't care. So as far as I'm concerned, on a vote on overtly casual, uh, that's a popular opinion to just go ahead and get rid of that division because no Boom. one no one wants to there, see boy. Get him out. Yeah. no one up. wants to see those dudes fight. <laughs> get your weight um, up. Yeah, I mean I'm down at like um, I, I like the, the women, the females fighting at that division, uh, at that weight. But until you start putting Ronda Rousey in the ring with Henry Cejudo, get rid of it. All right. You know, check it out. But also let's recognize this because we have to say this on the air. We need to send this out in the air wave so that we don't <laughs> sound like dickheads. Um, sure. Both of us have minor combat sports experience and we both recognize that demetrius johnson all 125 pounds would snap our necks with one hand tied behind his back hell yeah brother yeah no i spent a couple years getting my ass whipped um with uh uh, some boxing and some wrestling uh yeah yeah so i have healthy experience getting my ass whipped and then six years in the military get my ass whipped. So, well, yeah, I have no qualms with saying I'm 200 pounds, but Demetrius Johnson would treat me like a child. Yeah, full disclaimer there. I mean, you, you can't you can't completely demean the fact that these are small guys without throwing in the disclaimer. Hey, man, these guys are professionals. They're still the best fighters on earth. Demetrius Johnson, uh, got to give him his due. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the best to ever do it. But with that yeah, being so said – um. You know, so you said that you got who, who did you have in that? Uh, you got Hardy. Okay. Yeah, I got Greg Hardy. Man, that is going to be an interesting fight. And the next one uh, that I wanted to talk about here was Yancey Medeiros and Gregor Gillespie, and um, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, I've I've watched a couple of their older fights. Yancey Medeiros is a veteran in there, man. I think he has like uh, in the realm of like ten. UFC fights, maybe even 12, and he's got some pretty good wins. Hey, you know uh, Sean Spencer, right? Yeah, he's that swagged out dude, right? No, check it out. No, that's, Oh, no, he's no. the guy that came to uh, – he came to uh, – what's the gym no, called? Advantage. But listen, he – Advantage, yeah, he came to Advantage. He's from our hometown, I'm pretty sure. 
uh, I'm pretty sure, or at least the area. Uh, so that's why he comes back and trains with people in our community and stuff. But Yancey Medeiros has a, a win, a rear naked choke win over over uh, Sean Spencer uh, when Miocic fought over him. He was on that card, and uh, Yancey Medeiros has a win over him. Just an interesting fun fact there. But, um, yeah, I, I got Gregor Gillespie, man, uh, for sure. Medeiros is Dude, that's a, tough. He's a veteran, but, you know, I, I feel like he's going to lose by submission to Gillespie. He's got a good ground game. Yeah. Yancey, once upon a time, being so close to Holloway, was supposed to be the UFC's new golden ticket, you know? Um, smart guy, good ring smart, uh, or, or good uh, ring fundamentals, uh, good on his feet, good on the ground. But, yeah, I got to agree with you. Um, I think he w- may have been given too much too soon. And that I don't know if it affected him mentally or his training isn't going well, but uh, I gotta agree with you on that. I had no qualms with that argument. Yeah, he just got knocked out by uh, Donald Cerrone too, and kissed his grandma on her mouth. So that's kind of funny. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, Paige Van Zant and Rachel Ostovich. So check this out. Got some big drama coming before that. Um, Paige Van Zant. Actually, interestingly enough, her biggest sell was the whole Reebok thing. You know, her posting half naked for Reebok, and she got cut from the Reebok team. Uh, what? Sad to hear that, man. Really love the videos. So, uh, yeah, it was last week she made a social media post, and she got cut from the Reebok team. You know, I mean, she, she hasn't exactly put together a good resume in the UFC, so I think that probably has something to do with it. Um, people had a lot of buy-in because she's such a beautiful person, um, but she hasn't been producing wins. For me, I, I see her being one foot in the door in the sport and one foot out. I see Rachel Ostovich finishing her. Uh, that's just me. I think she's a good martial artist. I just don't know if she's ready for the level that the UFC promoted her, much like Sage Northcutt, you know, very similar people. I think that you they... Know... Go ahead. ahead. I think that they need to go to another promotion. That's just me. I think that they need to go to, you know, Paige, whether it be Bellator, whether it be, you know, you know, and, and who, did that, who did Paige fight where she broke her arm and then finished the fight? Damn, man. That was her last fight. Um, I can't yeah, remember no, off I the think, top of my head. I think she hung pretty well, and we kind of do her an injustice because she did break her fucking arm and then finish the fight, you know? Her, her corner did her a solid by not throwing it in and went to the decision. But I'll be honest with you, dude. I got Paige coming in. Again, I cannot go against Paige because um, her USO tour she did, uh, her and Max Holloway came out. They saw us. And uh, so I can't I can't go against her just out of principle, you know. Um well, you wouldn't. I you think wouldn't, that you wouldn't exactly be wrong either. So check this out, man. She's got a really good resume. Um, she really has only been losing to some of the best in the division. So she lost to Jessica Rose Clark. That's a tough loss, a close loss in which she incurred uh, a pretty severe injury. She broke her forearm. Um, Michelle Watterson, another tough one, and uh, Rose Nama Hunez, who is the current champ. Uh, but she's got good wins. <laughs> The Rose. <laughs> hey, she's got good wins too. She's she's uh she's beat Felice Farig and uh, Beck Rawlings, so those are two really tough wins. Um, you know, uh, so like I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to compare to Sage Northcutt because 
I don't want to say too much too young because Paige Van Zant, if you're looking at the division she's fighting in, I mean, she fought some killers in the Karate Hottie, Michelle Waterson and uh, Thug Rose, right? So she fought some legit killers in that one. And I think this is good to be, it, it's kind of even kill. Uh, they're pretty similar on the ground. But Van Zandt on the feet, I think she's got the edge up on that one. Um, she's got more experience. She's fought at the higher level of competition. Uh, this is a test for Rachel Ostovich. This might – she might – the women's divisions are so fucking confusing, man, because who was Amanda Nunez? Who was she? Nobody cared. Nobody gave a fuck about Amanda Nunez. They're like, ah, oh, this is just a Brazilian chick, yada, yada, yada. Um, but she came up. And she's just destroyed everybody. Hey, I'll tell you who she right. is now. The greatest yeah. female mixed martial artist of all time. Uh, Dude, she could no- go to the men's division. She could, I bet she could beat half the roster at 145. All right, Joe. Minutes. All right, Joe. I know Joe Rogan said it. Slow down. Slow down. I know about fucking uh, Ronda Rousey, but I'm serious, dude. I think she could come over to the 140, at, at least the 135 yeah. pound division. And, and beat some dudes. Let's shut and, and I know that sounds stupid. She crushed Chris Cyborg. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Let's right, get right. let's Holly, let's go right, ahead and on. shut that down though, because um, Valentina gave her a gave her all she could take. Um, yes, yeah, she gave her everything that she could take. And you know, in my opinion, I think that Shevchenko won that fight. Uh, I think that you know, I, I was looking at the strikes the other day. I can't remember. But I think that she outstruck her. And, you know, it was pretty handy at the end there. Uh, Nunez's face was pretty beat up. And Shevchenko grabbed the mic and she's like, look at my face. Look at her face. Like, how did you score it like this? But, you know, these things happen. You lose a close decision. But in my opinion, yeah, she is the greatest female mixed martial artist. And that's a great point that these things are so tight knit in the women's divisions, man. Anyone can lose at any time. Um, So, you know, and, 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 to Paige Van Zandt's credit, too, Rachel Ostevich is not exactly a killer. She has a 500 record as a professional. She's four and four. Um, you know, yeah, she, this is her first or her third uh, fight, rather, in the UFC. She's only finished one of her fights in the UFC. Uh, we, we, I mean, which is 50 50 for UFC fights. She fought in July uh, of last year. She lost via submission uh, to Montana De La Rosa, but. I, I don't know. This is a chance maybe for Rachel Ostovich to start talking about uh, to come out and to stand with Paige Van Zandt because really a lot of people are counting her out because they see Paige as having the edge up standing on the feet. I mean, if she comes in and she's standing with her and she outboxes her, I think that bodes well for Rachel. And uh, I, I personally, I like her. I think she's tough again. When when the Greg Hardy controversy hit her, she's like, okay, what does that have to do with me? You're telling me you don't have a dark past? I like her, um, but I still have Paige Van Zandt winning by decision. I don't okay. know if it will be unanimous, but I have her winning by decision, uh, pending if she breaks her arm or not. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, definitely going to have something to do with it, man. Uh, you have an injury like that, you never come back the same. So, well, people have came back the same. I take that back. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch that one play out. Like I said, it's kind of a 50-50 there. Um, you know, the other the other two fights on the card don't really interest me much. Uh, Benavidez and Dustin Ortiz. I think Benavidez is going to finish him. Um, 
just my opinion. I think that he's a better fighter, got more experience. And then you got Glover Teixeira, and I'm not even going to attempt this guy's name. You can go for that. Kutelaba. 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 All right. Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie, I'm not familiar with him, but uh, I'll take Glover <clears throat> just because he's on a big losing streak. So I'll take – so this is the toughest fight that Kute Laba has, right? Um, it, it's the toughest fight he's had so far in the UFC. Um, he's taking on a UFC veteran and Glover Teixeira. After the mauling – that Gustafson, Gustafson, the fucking UFC video game style mauling that was put on Glover. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's the same, man. I don't. I don't think he's the same. Um, I'm, kicking, I'm taking uh, Kutelaba uh, for the win on that one. Uh, a lot of people are saying too much too soon. To share is too good. Um, I'm taking Kutelaba by decision. I don't think Glover um, will have. I don't want to say the guts. I don't want to say the wherewithal. I don't want to say any of those words, but I don't think he's going to have it to finish Kutelaba. So I think okay. it's uh, it's Kutelaba by split decision over Glover Teixeira. All right. Well, something interesting. Uh, there's a development right now. Uh, something that I forgot to mention, actually. Kutelaba uh, has been injured, and he's not going to be fighting. So now it's Carl Robertson. Uh, again, I've only seen Carl Robertson fight once, and he was just swinging out there, man. He was throwing – I mean, he's an athletic specimen. The dude is a beast. Um, I don't know, man. I, I still think Glover's going to finish him. Kute Laba, hopefully he heals up and gets in there. Uh, like you said, he's a, he's a tough prospect. But, yeah, definitely. My bad on that one. Uh, but Robertson's going to be stepping up the fight. Is. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> – yeah, no, I didn't. I googled him and it pumps up an IMDb free IMDb for a cinematographer uh, for road train. So, um, I, if it's not Kute Laba, I'm gonna go ahead and say Glover. Um, hopefully, he can get a dub, but we'll see, man. We'll see if he can come back from just the demoralizing defeat uh, from one of the best, albeit one of the best dudes in the game, uh, Alexander the Mahler Gustafsson. Uh, which, you know, being a Viking son of a bitch, uh, I'll always root for that guy. Uh, Unless yeah, we'll fighting Jones. Fuck John Jones, dude. The greatest fighter of all time, baby. Greatest fucking juicer of all time. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. right. Turnball, snorting, butthole drinking, pregnant lady running over motherfucker that is John Jones. But he is really good, so... Uh, I love that interview. <laughs> I think it was on Fox where you had John Jones and DC and they lost connection a little bit and they're trying to see if both fighters are on there. And you there, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the lady, the lady goes, Hey you guys, can you hear me? John, can you hear me? He goes, Yep, gotcha. And she goes, DC, can you hear me? And he goes, You there, pussy? <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta like, love it, man. Yeah, I, I do love that dude for what he does. Uh, he's actually, I'm, I'm about four hours from where he trains, and they call Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he trains with uh, Jackson Winklejohn. They call it Alba Crazy. So I think that's a place for him, and that's a place. Uh, I mean, he runs that town. So him up there with well, uh, Clay Guida. That's actually Clay Guida's town. But, 
he lets John Jones run around in it. So shut the fuck up. But listen, <laughs> we don't we don't need to argue about this anymore. But I'm just gonna leave everyone who listens to this with, uh, you know, the knowledge that John Jones is quite possibly, no, actually for a fact, the greatest mixed martial artist to ever step into a cage. And you know, I'm not arguing about it. That's just that's factual. It's it's on Wikipedia, so it's got to be a fact. Um, but with that, I'll go ahead and ask you, uh, Benavidez versus Dustin Ortiz 2. Um, so Benavidez finished him the first time that they fought, and uh, I, I really couldn't imagine it going any different. Um, so what, what do you think? Actually, you know what? I think that Benavidez got a decision over him. Uh, but again, I got Benavidez. Yeah, I got Benavidez. No, yeah, um, I didn't have him finishing him this fight, uh, but I got Benavidez taking him with the decision. Uh, okay, it, I'm not impressed. I, I see him taking him, so hopefully they give him something more challenging and give him a, uh, a chance to step up. I, I don't know why you would do number two for that, but um, and maybe there is some controversy that I'm not tracking. But yeah, I got Benavidez taking that no issue. Right, right. I agree with you. So uh, pretty much all the way down this card. Uh, in our recap that we're going to do for the fight night, we are agreeing with the outcome of every fight except for the Hardy and Van Zant fight. They're not fighting each other. Um, Hardy's fighting Alan Crowder. And Paige Van Zant. Greg Hardy fighter, though. <laughs> He knocked that bitch the fuck out. He break her arm. We're not making light of domestic violence, but oh, man. it is funny that you said it like that because Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy would absolutely fight fans. Um, he's done it for free in his own house. <laughs> if you televise it and pay him a couple hundred thousand dollars, he'll fucking do it for sure. Wearing an alpha tee, nip showing. Fuck it. Fuck. That's yeah, dude. I'd, I'd pay to One see thing, it. Hey, we haven't, we haven't, I wouldn't pay to see it, dude. That's like fucking blacked.com. Like, you're looking for, no, thank you. Um, but let's talk about uh, Alexander Hernandez versus Donald Cerrone. Have we talked about that? I don't think we have. No, um, I'm planning on touching on that. Yeah, so uh, so I plan on talking about that after uh, I went through our picks there. But like okay. I said... Go ahead, run down the picks. You got it. So we both got Dillashaw winning the main event. The co-main, I got Crowder. You got Hardy. Um, both got Gillespie. Uh, you got Van Zant over Ostovich. And the rest of the card, like I said, we agree with Benavidez and Glover both finishing... The deal there, and uh, you know, segueing into the undercard, the only fight that's going to matter, uh, Alexander the Great Hernandez is uh, fighting Donald Cerrone, and you know, the guy's no joke. This is a this is kind of a I don't know, man. The pressure's on Donald Cerrone here because uh, I can't really I might mispronounce this guy's name, but Abian Mercier, Mercier, uh, the Canadian dude. He fought yeah. Alexander Hernandez, and uh, he lost the decision last fight. And this dude is on a long streak uh, of wins. He only has two UFC fights, though, and he's going up against a veteran. So, for me, um, obviously, I'm going to take Cerrone. I think he goes in there and uh, 
finishes this guy, actually. I think he's going to finish him. So, Bovada actually has uh, Alexander as the favorite over Donald Cerrone. Um, I don't see how they came up with that, but uh, everybody seems to think that he's going to get a decision. I don't think that Donald Cerrone is going to call the UFC and say, hey, I just finished one of your biggest stars in the first round. I don't care where you put me. You got an undercard spot? Cool. I'll give the kid a chance. Same way you gave Darren Till a chance. I don't think he's going to come in to this fight planning to go to a decision. No. I don't think at all. So I, too, have Donald Cerrone um, finishing this guy. Now, a fun way to break this down is, does he do it on the feet? Nah, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, think, I, think he, I think he doubles down on what he's been doing at his own ranch, and, and he finishes to do with submission. Because things that Donald Cerrone has neglected it throughout his career are, one, taking smart fights. Okay, he's not known to take smart fights, which is what makes us love guys like Donald Cerrone and Conor McGregor. They don't take the smart fights. They'll fight anybody. Um, so he's not, I don't think he takes a decision. I think he, uh, he finishes it on the ground. Um, maybe he knocks him out, but I don't see it. Uh, it's a three round fight. So yeah, I think he, I think he takes it to the ground and, and shows him who the, the real cat daddy is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, brings out the cowboy and conquers the, uh, the great. Well, check this out, man. I, what I think is interesting here is two things about Donald Cerrone. He doesn't take smart fights, but he also doesn't fight smart. The dude will just go out there and bang with people no matter what. But in that last fight, you saw a completely different Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Whenever he fought Mike Perry, you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in his face. And he came out, and I knew before the fight, and as I said before, Mike Perry is my favorite fighter, but I was like, fuck. Like, I knew it. I just knew it. And uh, I knew that he was going to take him down. Uh, actually, I think Perry ended up taking him down. But I just knew that if this goes to the ground, uh, Cowboy Cerrone's going to get the finish. And I think he's got too many weapons, man. I think he's got too many weapons on his feet and on the ground. And uh, to me, he's dangerous, man. Like, uh, he's, he's looking for a title run, he said before. So I think he finishes this guy. And uh, if he doesn't get a money fight with someone like McGregor or something up next, I, I really see him making a run for that title. I think he's dangerous. I think that he could fight next. You know, we'll, we'll talk about this eventually. But I think if he gets this win, man, I think he calls out someone like Alakinta. And I think that's a fight he wants. And I think that I think he could win that fight. Man, that real estate agent from New York is a dangerous son of a bitch, though. Um, oh. He showed that with Khabib. So he's got heart, dude. I, I like that, man. Like He's a real New York gangster, as Khabib says. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes to this card. I think we pretty well ironed out um, the fights we care about on that card in a uh, patented, overtly casual way, completely acknowledging that any one of these guys or gals could steal our lunch money at will. So um, I think we pretty well hammered that down. Dude, let's jump into uh, the UFC canceling the uh, pay-per-view 233. All right, so yeah, we have to start with uh, the only thing that anyone cares about uh, on that card, and that was going to be Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren. And all the questions that have been asked over the years about Ben Askren, Ben Askren, 
finally joining the UFC to fight uh, Robbie Lawler, man. I, I think this one was going to go exactly how we expected it to. Robbie Lawler, in my opinion, uh, is on his way out the door. Ben Askren, he, he does what he does. He's a Khabib-style fighter. He's going to take you down. He's going to grind you out. Um, I really don't think that this was going to go any different than any of his other fights. I don't think that all the questions that people are asking, like, is Ben Askren uh, a world-class fighter? Dude, it's coming from Tyron Woodley's mouth. It's his coach. He's there. He fights with him. He grapples with him. Uh, Tyron Woodley, in my opinion, is the most well-rounded fighter, if well, one of, if not the most well-rounded fighter in the UFC right now, um, and an athletic specimen, and he, he talks crazy about Ben Askren. So, yeah, I definitely think he'd finish Robbie Lawler there. Uh, and it sucks yeah, we didn't get to see it. Me, if you would have asked me a year ago if Tyron – the victim Woodley's opinion matter. Uh, that's what I would have called him. I would have said he's Tyron, the victim Woodley. Um, he's always spewing some shit that I don't like, but with that being said, him coming in and mauling uh, Darren Till won my respect for him again. I hated his TMZ appearances. I fucking, his song is stuck in my head. Have you heard the song he did? I beat uh, your ass. Yeah, I forget who he did it with, but it's Wiz like, Khalifa. yeah, Wiz Khalifa. So that's been stuck in my head, dude. <laughs> and uh, like, that's been stuck in my head. And, and I hated him for that. I hated him for TMZ. I hated him for his movie appearances, but he came in, he re-earned my respect. I mean, and it doesn't matter if he loses my respect. Hell no. Right. But, but. Um, him ta- him backing up Ben Askren and Ben Askren being such a pivotal point in his game, in his training, um, which is interesting uh, with regards to the, the possible new weight divisions in um, 2019 with Ben Askren wants the 165 pound division and Woodley wants it because both fighting at 170, they don't want to fight each other. And I think you're correct. I think that uh, Ben Askren finishes smothers the flame that is the badass and Robbie Lawler. And he climbs that division quickly and it won't be long before he gets a title shot, a well-deserved title shot. Um, man, you got You got to switch it up because they're not going to fight each other. Um, and what do you do? You just have a uh, fucking Ricky Bobby situation where Tyron Woodley is, you know, always coming in first and you got Cal Norton coming in second every time. A little bit of shake and bake in the 170-pound division. I don't like it. Uh, split the divisions. Give Ben Askren 165, uh, or at least give him a shot at it, right? Um, but I, I see it going the same way. Um, I see him smothering him because the wet blanket smothers the fire every time. So, um, Right. And, or, or here's another outcome that could be favorable here. Ben Askren loses his dad bod and cuts down – one fifty five, because I think that he has the body fat to do it, but I just think that he he knows he doesn't have to. Um, he can beat up on people at one seventy. I mean, the dude could probably go up a weight class and beat up on people. He's a he's a different kind of fighter. I've watched a couple of his fights over at one FC and in Bellator, and yeah, he hasn't fought world class competition. Has he fought someone who has that uh, one punch knockout ability? Highly likely, no. But at the same time, I think he's got the tools and I think he has the experience with the people that he's fought with. 
uh, to go in there. And like you said, he's not going to fight the chosen one, uh, T. Woods. So, you know, something's got to happen. That, that's, that's something interesting for us to talk about in the future there, the 165-pound division. But uh, I think we both got Ben Askren on that one. And the main event there was TJ and Cejudo, and we both already made our picks there. Um, so I, I guess the only other meaningful fight that I wanted to talk about was uh, James Vick and Paul Felder. And after watching Paul Felder fight Mike Perry with a broken fucking arm, that was one of the most hardcore fights I think I've ever seen, which made me love both of them as fighters. Uh, Mike Perry so- came out. That was his far, first fight after fighting uh, after training at uh, Winkle John's GM there in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as you mentioned earlier. And he came out looking like a savage dude. He was throwing hands. Uh, he took Paul Felder down. He handled him. He looked like a physical specimen. But Paul Felder is a savage, too, because he fought the whole fight with a broken arm. So uh, James Vick is a douche, and he went out there uh, saying that Justin Gaethje is the Gaethje is the uh, the Homer Simpson of the lightweight division. He said he's punch drunk, like because Gaethje's fight style, how he takes a lot of damage and stuff. He's like, yeah, you're punch drunk, all this, and went out there and Gaethje knocked him the fuck out, like the first meaningful strike that he landed, sleeping, put him, knocked him out cold. Uh, so I don't really like James Vick myself. Um, respect him as a fighter. He's got range. He's tall. But I think Felder finishes him. He's just he's just going to be too much. He's too tough. Yeah, Felder's cut from a different cloth, man. Um, exciting about him is he's also commentating uh, for the UFC as well. So um, exciting stuff for Paul Felder. I got that one as well. I, I love Paul Felder. Um, he's a gangster through and through. Especially that was the fight that really put me on Paul Felder. He's had some memorable ones before, but yeah, you're fine with a broke arm with one of the best dudes in the game. Cause Mike Perry is a bulldog. Make no mistake. Uh, hopefully James Vick uh, gets what he deserves again. I agree with that one as well. Um, doesn't need to be contentious, but yeah, I agree with it. Um, so uh, my last question on the cancellation of two thirty-three: do you think, so you had, Dual events. This isn't the first time. Uh, this is the second time in two years that the UFC has one scheduled a competing show with Bellator uh, in LA, and then pulled the plug on it as well. Do you think this is more of a uh, a give you to Bellator, or do you think it's a like a, a, a kind of favor to Bellator, or is it a we're not going to make a, enough money at the gate? Because oh. this is going head-to-head with Bellator's finale for the Grand Prix. Yeah, so uh, so the thing is, so uh, ultimately USC 233 was canceled because they could not find uh, a headliner. Well, maybe they had a headliner, but it wasn't uh, a big enough fight, in my opinion. I think that that's what they had there. So, um, you know, TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo, to the fans who watch the sport, religiously and understand it's going to be a great fight both extremely technical fighters not an exciting uh main event really not an exciting main event even though he's he's cutting down to become another champ champ and he likely will you know you got Fedor, and you got ryan bader um ryan bader's got some big wins too man like he is a bellator fighter which a lot of people look at as being second class but most of his losses have only came to like really great fighters like I think John Jones has a win over Bader. 
and Stipe has a win over Bader, but he's got big wins. Like he beat Phil Davis. Like he just beat Mitrione. He's a killer uh, against Fedor too. And another thing too about that Bellator 214 card, the co-main has a, a, a superstar in the making in it. Um, Aaron Pico, are you familiar with him? The dude who keeps knocking people out with kidney shots. Yeah, he's a tough guy. I mean, I mean, he really capitalizes on the investment that is body shots. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 nuts. So he's fighting Henry Corrales, which that's that's already a big name fight there. Um, but you got Aaron Pico. I mean, he won the U.S. National Championship in high school for wrestling, and you know, people want to see the kid. I don't even think he ended up going to college for wrestling after winning the national championship because he's young. Maybe he did, um, but he looks really young to me. So he's out there fighting at two fourteen. And uh, Fedor and Bader are fighting. To me, what I what I saw or what I see there is that uh, the UFC's kind of tucking their tails and taking their losses. Um, you know, obviously. So. Hey, dude, uh, quick question. Can you keep breaking this down for a second? Uh, just step out for one minute. Uh, keep breaking down this Bellator main event, um, talking about Bader, talking about these dudes. Um, do you mind if I step out for a sec? Go ahead. All right, I'll be right back. Keep running that stuff, though. For sure. So, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Fedor versus Bader. I really feel like Bader has this one wrapped up. I feel like it's going to be an easy win for him. Uh, a lot of people see Fedor as being one of the greatest of all time in the sport, but I feel like Bader uh, is just in his prime, and Fedor is well past that. So, I see him taking that. And then you also have uh, Aaron Pico, who is the national champion, uh, in high school wrestling, like I said, who, oddly enough, like I think I've watched like three of his last fights, and the dude has not even taken anyone down yet. Uh, he keeps just striking with people, and he's got quick hands, man. He's an absolute athlete. Um, fighting Henry Corrales, uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Corrales definitely has the experience, but I feel like Pico's going to edge him out there. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a close fight, but at least he's going to have some competition because it looks like he's just breezed past the last couple of people that he's fought. Um, you know, and and another interesting thing, another interesting development with Bellator is uh, Chell and Tito are fighting again on the internet. Um, and they're talking about bringing another fight to Bellator. And I know that Tito screwed over Bellator and talked a bunch of crap about Scott Coker. So uh, to see the super heavyweight champion of the universe, Chell, the American gangster son, and come back and fight Tito Ortiz and put a whooping on him. Uh, that'd be awesome to see in the future. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely crazy. I mean, Bellator's coming up. They're, they're getting some good fighters. And, and I think that this is kind of a testament to that when UFC 233 is canceled in the same city as Bellator 214. I don't really see them scratching their back here. I don't see that as the UFC scratching Bellator's back. Um, but they could be. They could be. It could be a business deal. You know, you never know. They're both looking to grow the sport no matter what. So, uh, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, dude. And uh, I'm back with you. I could hear everything uh, that you were saying. I got you in my Bluetooth uh, Bose headset that I took with me. Um, <clears throat> nothing really big other than the reason I stepped out. So I had to step out uh, to uh, call my son. He was, he was kind of crying. I have a, a small child uh, who coincidentally is named after that American badass chill. 
uh, the American Gangster Shonen. So uh, that's funny. No, I, I'm excited. I love seeing Chell. I like his video breakdowns. Um, I can't wait to see him fight again because you just you just saw um, Ortiz and Liddell with Golden Boy Promotions, which we can jump into a little bit about the uh, the cokehead that is Oscar De La Hoya challenging fucking Dana White to a boxing match like an idiot. Um, not that he would lose that. He would absolutely win it. But Dana White is not a fighter. Dana White is the best promoter in all of combat sports. Um, <clears throat> maybe not in the last 100 years, but he's the best today. Uh, no, I'm excited to see Chell. I think Chell takes it. Um, is it a good fight for Tito? No. He needs to retire before he dies. Uh, similar, it's quite similar to how I feel about Chuck Liddell. But, um, yeah, it, I, I agree with you. It, it's not a nod to Bellator. Uh, I don't think it's a business deal. I think it is the UFC acknowledging that that is a high-level event that it will still from the gate. Um, it will still from the gate of what they would take in Anaheim because you're not getting a lot in, in LA anyway. Um, as you saw with the John Jones Gustafson fight, uh, not a lot was taken out of the gate. They still did well, but with Bellator having a huge event in the same same town, um, I agree with uh, with their cancellation of it. Um, does it suck? Yeah, especially as a fan. But hey, hey, guess what? Instead of paying, you know, sixty bucks for the fights that I would have watched anyway, now I get to pay four ninety nine to see the same thing. Yeah, uh, shout out to ESPN Plus for that four ninety nine plug. By the way, um, right. we'll just go ahead and we'll just go ahead and shout ESPN Plus for that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you one hundred percent. Bellator is definitely coming in, uh, coming in swinging. This is their best card, in my opinion, probably ever. Um, their headline is crazy. I mean, Fedor and Bader, that's huge. The UFC would have a hard time even making a fight like that. Um, yeah. Especially- that's Fedor Emelianenko. I mean, I mean, I was between Chell Sonnen and Fedor Emelianenko on naming my son after those guys. Um, the only reason I didn't go with Fedor is it's because it's so fucking Russian, and Chell is hard enough to explain to people anyway. To tell people that my son's name was Fyodor um, would be hard to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so seeing him fight, is he what he used to be? Nah, but... I, who do you have? I'm sorry. Who do you have on uh, Bader versus Fyodor? Bader is Bader is going to beat that ass, in my opinion. Bader by ass so whooping. Well. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, so Bader. as well. Um, he's jumping up in weight, but I think he's a big boy. He can handle it. Um, I, I think that Fedor is old. Um, not not too old. I, I wouldn't fuck with him in a bar, not for a thousand years, um, <laughs> but. I, I don't think that nowadays he has what it takes to uh, to stand toe to toe with uh, Ryan Bader, who I mean, arguably is in his prom. You know? Oh no, not let, let, let's remove one word from that statement. He's not arguably in his prom. I think uh, you move that cat to the UFC, he's in the top five. He's in the top three. He's beating good people. Um, you know, yeah. Fedor. He he's definitely a competitive fighter, no matter what. I mean, Chell P. Sonnen. Uh, he finished him. You know, I thought that I saw Fedor tap um, on his face. I thought that I saw Fedor tapping on Shell's face. Um, that's that's how I saw it. But um, you know, the ref saw it as a TKO on the super heavyweight champion of the universe, Shell Sonnen. But um, you know, 
I definitely see Bader winning that one, and I see Aaron Pico getting the job done against Henry Corrales. And, you know, like we said, Bellator's definitely moving up there. So uh, it's something to look out for in the future, for sure. Yeah, dude. No qualms there. Um, now that we went super deep into some MMA, some UFC, some Bellator, some promotion, some ESPN, uh, talk to me about uh, – real quick, real quick. What is the one fight you want to see in 2019? Or one fighter you want to see fight in 2019? Pick your poison. Any promotion. Can it be different, like unrealistic weight difference? Well, this one's not unrealistic. This one's not unrealistic at all. Like real fight. Real fight you want to see, mate. Mike Perry versus Conor McGregor. 170 pounds. Damn. Make that fight. Make that fight, Dana. That's a good one. Who do you think wins? Oh, man. that Don't ask me that because traditionally uh, the, the dog, you know, the, the Eddie Alvarez, the mean striker who comes out, he's super strong, he's an athletic specimen, got peeled, got his banana peeled. Um <laughs> So, you know, I I, I, can, I have a hard time betting against Conor McGregor, but, you know, I, I think Mike Perry finishes him. I think he's too much. Conor's out of the sport. Um, he's got a huge weight. He's got a huge – he's got a huge weight advantage, dude. Like, that's not to be looked over. I mean, Mike Perry's 170 pounds, but the dude is massive. He would be way bigger than Conor in there. Um, yeah, he's around 190. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, a, a lot of that – I mean, he walks around 190. He's a big dude. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of that's biased because um, I like Mike Perry. But, you know, uh, I guess we'd have to see. That's not a fight that's going to be made anytime soon because Mike Perry's taking losses. But, you know, uh, it'd be interesting for sure. Who would you have in that situation? Conor McGregor. Come on. Uh, of course. Yeah, I've got to I've got to rob with my boy. Um, the fight that I want to see, we kind of talked about already which is Ben Askren and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Mm. Uh, I cannot pick a winner. I can't pick a winner right now, but that's a fight I want to see. I think that um, especially if you have uh, a Khabib, there's a couple things that have to happen for that fight to be made. One, first thing, biggest thing, you have to have the UFC and Dana White stand up and make a 165-pound division. Okay. So 155, 165, 175, 180, or one fit, yeah. So I want to see 170 go to 175 and 165 be established. Um, <clears throat> and in doing that, I want to see a Khabib Nurmagomedov that continues to train his striking and also enjoy some fucking tiramisu. Because yeah. he struggles to make 155. You make a 165-pound division, he might just come up and show Ben Askren who daddy is. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know, though. I don't know. That's a hard pick. We, we get to see after he fights Robbie Lawler um, and then gets another one under his belt. I could see that fight happening if it does. Again, um, Khabib has to eat some tiramisu. Dana White has to make a smart decision. Uh, we see that fight in December. I can't pick a winner right now, but I, I think that's what we see in 2019. Um, so you've got Mike Perry versus Conor McGregor, your dream fight of 2019. I have uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Ben Askren as my dream fight. 
If we could put those bad boys on the same card, that'd be lovely. Uh, and put it in LA since I'll be there uh, later on this year, be moving there. But um, cool. That's, I mean, that's, I'm tapped out on, uh, no pun intended, I'm tapped out on UFC talk. Let's talk about life, man. What do you got going on in 2019? <sighs> a lot, a lot, man. Finally graduating from college. Uh, Going to be, transitioning into a career in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So, you know, I'm kind of in a transition period right now where I don't know what the future holds. But I have a lot of goals for 2019, man. I want to get back on the mats. I want to start some sort of competitive grappling again, some sort of wrestling, uh, any of that. I want to pick up some new hobbies. You know, archery is definitely one of those. Uh, I've been following Cam Haynes a lot and you know, it seems like something that's going to help me build some discipline and uh, help me to clear my mind, too. So, so you know, starting a new career and hopefully picking up some new hobbies along the way, man. Uh, that's pretty much pretty much going to be me for 2019. You know, what do you have going on? Yeah, I am in a weird spot right now. So um, some of our listeners uh, will know that at 18 years old, I picked up and left Southern West Virginia and uh, came to the United States Air Force. And I've uh, been here for almost six years now, and I'm making my transition out. I've accepted a job in uh, the beautiful Los Angeles, California, so that's going to be Gucci. Um, Yeah, weird time for me, man, leaving um, this realm where it was heavy on leadership, and which I can't wait to get into on this podcast with you. Um, so being heavy on leadership and, and also feeling like, uh, I don't know, man, traveling the globe, uh, you know, traveling all of America and traveling the world. I feel like I'm way older than 23 years old, but, uh, here we are, man, making that, it almost feels like I'm graduating into the next chapter of my life as well. So, uh, no, I think that, uh, I think 2019 is going to be weird, but good. I think it's going to be a, a, overall for you and for me and for uh, my family and, and yours. It's going to be a prosperous year, dude. Um, got some exciting shit we're going to talk about on this podcast. Um, some stuff that uh, I wanted to run by you, see if we're uh, interested in is in coming episodes. I was thinking we can run with some uh, tips for traveling tourists, both within the United States uh, and globally, uh, basically for you to cover how you travel cheap and for me to cover how you travel safe. Um, no, I, I see us getting into that. For uh, sure. And, uh, and, uh, you know, those, those two things aren't binary. Hopefully you're all traveling, uh, cheap and safe. That's going to be the optimal formula there. But, um, you know, it, it has been a weird year and it's been a weird transition. And I feel like this next year is going to be really strange, but what I'm most excited about is if you think about it and, you know, some people may know that we're actually brothers, but a lot of people uh, who may see us on the interwebs don't know that. But the interesting thing about this is that uh, we spent all of our life together and we've never transitioned together. And now I'm making my transition in May uh, into my career and my move. And, you know, I have my site set on a geographic location, but that's always subject to change. Uh, you know, business goes, um, and you're making your transition out of the military. So for once in our life, we're going to have overlap in our transitions and, uh, you know, we're going to be able to work through that together and talk about it on here. And I'm super excited about that. 
And, you know, I'm super excited to hopefully uh, contribute to some people's lives in a meaningful way throughout that transition and give them some insight to, to traveling and some things that we've learned about along the way, uh, you know, through my college experience and my leadership experience through the fraternity uh, that I'm in and the investment club uh, that I'm also a leader in. So, you know, like I said, I'm just looking forward to 2019 and contributing to other people here. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, some other things that overtly casual will bring you, uh, myself, Dakota, and my little brother, Tyler. I can't say little, you're bigger than me. So my, myself, <laughs> Dakota, and my brother, Tyler, uh, are going to bring you guys our interview tips for recent college, recent college graduates and uh, for transitioning veterans alike. Uh, we'll talk about biohacks and health trends in 2019. Uh, and then we're going to cover a slew of other topics that we'll break down in an overtly casual and digestible way. Uh, dude, I think we're off to a great start with this thing. I had fun. Did you have fun? Great start, man. A ton of fun. Um, you know, this is kind of just our phone calls in general. So this is just a medium to record our phone calls, uh, which yeah. is awesome. You know, I think I, I did a good job at restraining saying, uh, fuck shit, damn an ass. I, I didn't say that as much as I usually say. Yeah, that's, that's, this is, this is the PC censored version for sure. So, uh, yeah, but luckily, luckily we're labeled an explicit podcast, um, so we get we get to do that. And uh, but yeah, dude, how, you want to wrap it up right now? I know I got some uh, I got some ribeyes to make. Uh, I don't know what you got going on, but I'm looking to uh, to press on and then uh, yeah, get on with the night. How do you think? Let's wrap it up. But uh, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to diving deeper into these things and the other topics next time. This is definitely not just going to be a mixed martial arts podcast. We're going to talk everything uh, that pertains to you men and women out there in your daily life. So yeah, check us back out. And that's about all I got. Hell yeah, brother. This has been Overtly Casual, hosted by myself, Dakota, and my brother, Tyler. You can catch us every Saturday everywhere that you find podcast. See ya.